Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Sip podcast. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. I'm happy to announce that this weekend I will be attending the uh, first ever Half Acre Invitational in downtown Chicago. Um, Half Acre is hosting an Invitational in Millennium Park on the Harris Theater rooftop terrace. And this Invitational is bringing together a bunch of breweries that um, don't um, and include many that don't currently distribute in the Chicagoland area. So breweries like Casey Brewing and Blending, Creature Comforts, Crooked Stave, Modern Times, and other half brewing will all be sampling out beers, among many others. Um, I'm really surprised tickets have not sold out to this event, but the tickets are relatively pricey, so that might be one of the reasons why. But tickets are still available. Uh, the beer list is currently available on their website as well. I have chosen not to look at the beer list. Usually when I attend a beer festival, I tend to avoid the beer list. I'd rather be surprised once I get there. Uh, if I'm unable to make an event, then I might look at the beer list just so I can live vicariously through the beer list. And then uh, if there's a lot of stuff I've already had, then I feel better about not being able to attend that particular beer fest. But the beer list is out there if you're contemplating whether or not you'd like to go. As I said, tickets are uh, relatively expensive for a beer festival, but this seems like it could be a very interesting event and the opportunity to try so much beer that you aren't going to find in the Chicagoland area otherwise is uh, definitely a tempting proposition. But uh, I'll be out there in the early afternoon session on Saturday, so hopefully uh, the weather is nice and uh be, definitely be well ready and willing to drink some uh, tasty beer and uh, try stuff that I might not ever see again. So uh, definitely take a look at the, um, do a search for Half Acres Far and Away Invitational and perhaps I'll see you guys out there. Now speaking of beer fests, I did get the opportunity to attend the Woodstock Ale Fest, the fifth annual, which was held in the small town of Woodstock, Illinois, which is a uh, suburb in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, uh, part of McHenry County. And this was the uh, fifth annual fest, so it's a relatively young festival, relatively new festival. And this was the first time they had gone independent from um, their previous partner. I think I've attended the festival probably three out of the last five years. I think there was a couple that I have missed. Uh, one thing is always for certain, it's usually in early October, so the weather is always hit and miss. In previous years, it's been relatively rainy and cold. While it was sort of on the slightly chillier fall-esque side, uh, the weather proved to be one of the pluses of the day. It was remarkable uh, how, how much the, uh, we avoided the rain during the time at the fest. Uh, rain was called for through much of the day, so I knew that going in. I kind of purchased my ticket last minute at the entrance, which I don't usually do. Usually I plan ahead and buy them in advance. 
uh, but I bought it right at the gate knowing that it might potentially rain. There was some a little bit of drizzle as I was heading over there, but it managed to quit about the time I got there. And even though there was massive amounts of cloud cover rolling in, for some reason, um, gods or the mother nature decided to smile down upon us and the sun kept coming out numerous times and poking its head through the clouds and it never really did rain all that hard so remarkably the weather held out quite nicely and one of, was one of the nicer experiences um, of the last five years of the festival and since the Woodstock Ale Fest broke away from their previous uh, organization partner this year. The other plus was that they were able to donate all of their proceeds to a local charity, uh, Independence Health and Therapy Organization, which uh, is a uh, nonprofit 501c3 organization, provides um, health services and therapy to uh, less fortunate and low-income individuals and things of that nature. So that's definitely a plus as well. But the festival is still not without its growing pains and its downsides. Attendance still steamed relatively low for a beer festival. Especially with the popularity of a festival like the Barrington Brewfest which is relatively close or within a short train ride distance away. Um, Woodstock still has a lot of uh, growing to do. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't nearly the attendance that could have been there. The attendance was still relatively low. And in turn, the amount of breweries that actually are willing to show up and pour are equally as low. Considering that McHenry County doesn't have a lot of beer festivals, I still wonder why Woodstock was the place that was kind of the first try for the county as far as like a beer festival goes. I feel like maybe even McHenry or possibly, probably Crystal Lake if you're looking for population would be a better place to host a craft beer festival. So I'm not sure why Woodstock was the choice for this particular festival. Not to say that there's not room to grow and not that they could expand and become more popular, but uh, Woodstock is definitely scenic. Uh, the location's very nice. It's close to the train station and a park area, so the location is great. But it's just a wonder if uh, it's not being, it doesn't have the exposure that other towns in the county might possibly have. In past years, the festival has, has stuck to a theme of bluegrass music, and they've continued this tradition into 2018. Uh, but the, the band that they had there was definitely of a different style than previous bluegrass uh, performances and bands that they had there. Previous bluegrass bands were a little more upbeat, um, a little more fitting of a festival-style environment. While the, the group that they had playing at the festival on Saturday was very competent and they were great musicians, their style of bluegrass seemed to fall a little more into the, uh, it's a little more somber. I wouldn't even say if I would call it traditional bluegrass, so to speak, because I don't know enough about bluegrass and 
I would think that maybe even traditional bluegrass was a little more up-tempo. I could be wrong. But the the music they just were playing was not all that befitting of a beer festival. It felt a little bit more moody, a little more somber, a little more slow. And it felt, it felt like it was just out of place at a beer festival. Especially ones when they were, they seemed to be kind of set off from the rest of the crowd under a tent, which of course, understandably with their equipment and the potential for rain, that's where they would have to be. But it was uh, far from the kind of the activity and where the crowd was standing and the music just didn't seem to fit the mood. Now that's enough of talking about uh, charities and weather and music and all of that things, because of course this is a beer festival. So what was the beer like? Well, one of the things that I found interesting about the festival this year was that the their website and the information coming out about the Woodstock Ale Fest this year mentioned that all of the breweries that they were going to feature were going to be breweries within 100 miles of the Chicagoland area. Now, I found that to be relatively um, interesting and... Um, intriguing because there's plenty of breweries in Chicagoland and plenty of plenty of breweries in the surrounding area so there would be plenty of options for breweries that could come and pour so that was for certain however I was highly disappointed to arrive at the festival and notice that that uh, potential um, qualifier had quickly been abandoned um, one of the first brewery signs I saw was for Alaskan Brewing. So I was Alaskan Brewing, so I kind of thought, what the heck happened? Um, I felt like those boundaries were definitely expanded a little bit, especially when we had the likes of uh, Brewdog from Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, Sleepy, they were pouring cans of Sleepy Dog, which is a new brewery. While And while Sleepy Dog is brewing out of a Two Brothers facility, which is did get their start in the Chicagoland area, um, they're brewing out of the Scottsdale, Arizona facility. And Surly is out of Minneapolis, which is definitely more than 100 miles away. So I don't know if the brewery's... The participation, they just couldn't find enough to fill that need, but there weren't that many breweries to begin with. The website had stated there would be 30 breweries present, which is really not that many for a festival anyhow. But uh, on top of that, the final count was only 25. The beer list noted 26, but one of those breweries, Generations Brewing, which is out of Freeport, Illinois, did not even show up. So there was only 25 breweries there as a final count. But many of those were not even in the Chicagoland area or in the Illinois area. So it begs the question of what happened as far as having more local breweries show up. Were they concerned about the sales? Uh, were they concerned about the crowds? Did they feel it was not worth the effort? Because there wasn't a lot of Chicago brewery participation. 
This is not all that surprising because that's how things have been in previous years. But with the change that they were only going to try to feature local breweries, I would have hoped for the best and thought they would have been able to bring in more local breweries and breweries out of Chicago, but that did not seem to pass. Uh, even a brewery like Half Acre didn't even have a showing here. Um, Revolution did, but they still have a large distribution presence. And uh, where most of the local stuff, well, a lot of the local stuff that was provided seemed to be stuff that was only provided because of access for the local distributors. So while I was slightly irked that they chose to incorporate a lot of breweries that were not even local anymore, I tried to make the best of the situation and I, I went looking for something that might be uh, special being served or something unique being poured. I w it, was, it was nice to see that uh, the lakefront had the Imperial Pumpkin. I did not grab a pour of that because I just had it when I was at the Lakefront Brewery in Milwaukee last week. Uh, but it was nice to see that on tap to be sampled. Uh, and I did notice that Brickstone was pouring the Dark Secret, which is their Imperial Stout with barrel-aged coffee. However, I was quickly dismayed when I realized that the Dark Secret was being poured from cans and not from a tap handle. And since I had worked in the uh, retail beer business as of recent, I do know that the Dark Secret uh, recently had come of being out of code, as you would say, or expired, or past its freshness date. So I was pretty concerned and pretty certain that the beer being poured there was probably expired and not of its freshness quality. Because unless they happen to brew another batch recently, which I doubt because the Dark Secret cans did not come out all that long ago, um, I'm pretty certain that the Dark Secret being poured was old stuff. So my hopes were shattered relatively quickly, but I did not let that dismay me. I moved on. So Surly is out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is about 300 miles or so away from the Chicagoland area. But Surly still has some decent beer. And so I went over to check out the list. I saw that they were pouring Todd the Axeman. But once again, they were servings from cans. You know, an easy pickup from the distributor. So before the gentleman who was volunteering and pouring out the beer served me any Todd the Axeman, I asked him politely. I said, at the risk of sounding pretentious, could you possibly look at the date on the bottom of the can and tell me what date it was? And so he did. And it was uh, July 24th which certainly has a 90-day shelf life on their IPAs, so it technically was within code, but it was not nearly as fresh as it could have, should have been. It was funny because the gentleman uh, likes a lot of hoppy beers, likes a lot of IPAs, and he told me he always looks at dates on cans and things like that. He never thought to look. 
So the Todd was tasting decent enough, but um, it just, it could have been a lot fresher and I felt like the hops were starting to fall off a little bit, so it's understandable why they would have that 90 day shelf life. I experienced similar issues when I recently poured for the Beer Hoptacular. Um, and to be honest, at a beer festival, after a few beers, everything starts to kind of blend together. So you can't really taste the nuances between different beers anyhow. But I can't, I can't use that as an apology for serving beer that isn't fresh. That's no excuse. But at least for the particular audience you might be serving at a beer festival, not everybody... Uh, is that nuanced or is looking for that in particular that are just there to have a good time. Um, they're not maybe as picky or, you know, as, as uh, dialed in as some people are when it comes to craft beer. So there's definitely a few things I can overlook. The one thing I could not overlook was the fact uh, was uh, two particular beers that were being poured there. And one was from Goose Island. It was the Summer Hours Lager, the Summer Seasonal, which was, you know, rapidly approaching its six-month shelf life, as it would be because it is a Summer Seasonal. A Summer Seasonal being poured at a uh, Fall Beer Festival. Uh, you should have definitely had at least the Goose Island Oktoberfest or something else poured. Um, so that was absolutely uh, grievous and ridiculous. Uh, the other one was to see Bell's Oberon being poured. Um, that too would be just about hitting the six-month shelf life if it's not already just past the six-month shelf life. Uh, Bell's Oberon is also a summer seasonal, except for certain states that are in the south and have a much milder climate year-round. The beer, the beer is available down there year-round, whereas here it is only available in the summer. So to see summer seasonals being poured at a beer festival is just wrong, and the distributors should know better than to take advantage of people just trying to put on a beer festival. They should at least have the courtesy to not push old, you know, previous season beers out to be served at a beer festival. They just shouldn't do it. They should know better. They know better. So that's where I kind of have an issue. I understand when beer is a little bit old or it's, pro it's approaching their, the, the shelf life date. That's one thing. But to be, pre be serving seasonals in a... Uh, outside of the season or just past when the season's over. Come on now, let's 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 uh, let's get past that. So I feel like I've just been negative up to this point. I'm just disparaging a local craft beer festival, but there were some positives to come out with it, and this has fits uh, into my philosophy or my thought process about supporting your uber local, your hyper local breweries. Uh, McHenry Brewing Company uh, was out there and what I would probably say would be their major first uh, debut at a, like a major craft beer festival. I know they did something with the Blues, Brews, and Barbecue event that McHenry holds, but uh, as far as like a strict brew fest goes, I think this is was McHenry Brewing's first time out. 
Um, they brought the Who is Tom Brady? Um, the recipe and the hop bill pretty much remained the same. However, the uh, time of entry for the hops and uh, when they got thrown into the boil is uh, currently... Uh, under work a little bit there he's still the uh, brewery there the brewer there Bob is still adjusting the um, the times he's adding hops to kind of perfect that particular uh, bitterness and finish and aroma and everything else but um, it was tasting very good and even though the hops didn't change and the grain bill didn't change I knew there was something slightly different about it so he's definitely still dialing that in but it is uh an excellent New England style IPA uh, brewed on an extract system, so it is a it is something to behold, and it, to have something like that super local and just down the street from where I live is an amazing thing. Uh, McHenry also had their Mertzen uh, Oktoberfest. At the recipe was held over from Chino Lakes Brewing's recipe. Uh, the beer is now called Gottlieb's Prost. Um, I like this one a little bit less. I found it to be, uh, it's just overly sweet and very malty, too malty sweet for my liking. It, uh, it kind of embodies everything that is a challenge with an extract system. I would have liked him to see, uh, I would have liked uh, Bob to go with his own recipe on here, but he did not. But... It's still a solid beer. It's just a little too malty, a little too sweet, a little too heavy for me. It's not my favorite. But uh, the who, who is Tom Brady was definitely worth a taste. And it was nice to see uh, McHenry Brewing Company at their first uh, technically full-on beer fest. And uh, hopefully it went well from them and it, it'll be nice to see more of them in the future. Yeah, we also saw Crystal Lake Brewing here. They've been in the Fest game for a few years now. They, they're they relatively pretty established, going on four years in the game. I, I did not hit up them just because I had the stuff they were pouring before. They were pouring their standard Beach Blonde Golden Lager, and they also had their Too Much Cologne, which is their Kolsch Seasonal. Uh, both solid beers, but I didn't want to waste too much time on stuff that I've had before. I did hit up Scorched Earth for the Oktoberfest. There, um, it was nice to try their Oktoberfest. I'm not sure if I've ever had it before, but Scorched Earth always has solid quality stuff, and their Oktoberfest was no exception. Now, one particular beer I was excited to try was something from uh, Cary Alehouse and Brewing. Cary Alehouse. Uh, recently got renovated and re-inspired as a new restaurant. Uh, the first time I was at Cary Ale House was several years ago when Scorched Earth first entered the game. They had their tap takeover there. So I was there when he, uh, could, when he could originally try the very first sips of Scorched Earth Brewing, but it was at a uh, dive place. Uh, that was a ridiculously dirty dive bar, but they had an exceptional craft beer list. So uh, another owner bought, a, bought out the previous owner, took over the space, and they revamped the place into a uh, fa uh, much more modernized new restaurant with a lot of good craft beer. But recently they also started brewing their own craft beer as well on a pilot system. 
and they had a few beers on tap. I tried the Fugly, which was a classic uh, English-style pale ale. I thought that was pretty solid. The Thinkin' Juice was their take of a New England-style IPA. Uh, that was pretty solid, although I did prefer the uh, Who is Tom Brady if we're talking New England styles head-to-head. Uh, -head. Uh, but they were both pretty solid beers, and uh, Carrie Alehouse seems to know a little bit about brewing, and uh, they seem to be doing some good stuff there. So I was very excited to be able to finally try their beer because I had not yet had it before. I was also very happy to see Flesk Brewing pouring at the festival. Um, after doing some, uh, bomb, uh, some bottles, I think, I can't remember if they were bomber bottles or if they were in like the more of the 16.9 ounce or the, uh, that range. They used to do bottles and then they kind of dialed back in the, uh, dialed back and stopped doing bottles when they kind of, uh, moved to their new location. And now they're basically just have a, uh, tap room so you can only drink their beer on premises currently. So it was nice to get to try some of their stuff again. Uh, I did make a trip within the last year out to the Flesk location, which is uh, visible actually from the Union Pacific Northwest Metro Line heading down to the city. Uh, very, It's on the end of the uh, Ice House Mall, basically. And um, it's a very short walk from the Barrington train station in Barrington, Illinois. So I did make it a point to get over there and try some of their stuff. I found it all to be pretty good, pretty tasty. And so I was happy to be able to try the Coffee Running Man again, which is a delicious coffee milk stout. Uh, and also I got a pour of the Flecktoberfest, which was their uh, Take It a Mertzen. And they also had a Blood Orange Lactose IPA called Moro. So it was definitely great to be able to try some Flesk stuff again. And uh, just another uh, proving, just another example of proving my point that it was great to be able to go with these uh, local, local guys. Because uh, not only were you getting to try their stuff um, being poured on draft as opposed to the package stuff that was being poured by a lot of volunteers and supplied by distributors, um, you're actually getting draft pours of stuff and actually talking to brewers and guys that actually work for the companies. So uh, it was a pleasure to be able to try some Flesk beer again. I'm really glad they came out. Wild Onion also had a couple of draft options. Um, the Misfit I've had before and relatively recently, so I didn't take I didn't take time to have a pour of that. I went with the Pumpkin Ale, which. I'm always surprised when I realize that I've had that particular beer before. It had been a while, but I think I had uh, the pumpkin ale at the uh, Chicago Beer Festival at the Union Station a few years ago. Uh, that's one thing I like about Untapped is when I go to a check in a beer, um, and I'm surprised that I've already had the particular beer when I think I've never had it before. That's an always that's an always interesting dynamic. What's one of the perks I kind of like about uh, Untapped? So uh, Wild Wild Onion is out of uh, uh, I think it's Barrington or is it Lake Barrington? Might be Lake Barrington, which is close enough to Barrington, but. Uh, it was nice to see Wild Onion there as well. Um, they didn't have a rep there, but they were definitely still pouring from draft. 
and it was nice to see that they brought one of their seasonals in as well when they could have just opted for like the um hops layer or their pills but they went with the seasonal which was nice to see now one thing i've not tried a lot of is sprecker's beer um so it was nice to actually get to try a couple of their bottles sprecker was they were pouring bottles of their uh, oktoberfest beer and their black bavarian which is a schwartz beer or a black lager or dark lager and uh, both those proved to be pretty tasty as well. The um, the Sprecker's Oktoberfest proved to be a little more roasty, had some nuttiness quality to the uh, the malts, and uh, was definitely unique. And I quite enjoyed it, enjoyed it. And then um, I was talking to another guy there who had me. I I kind of overlooked the Bavarian first off when I was looking at the bottles because I just saw Bavarian, so I thought it was a Bavarian lager, just kind of like a lighter lager. But he told me to go back and try the Black Bavarian. Realized it was a Schwartz beer. So I had to go get a pour of that as well. And that was very very good as well. Um, I'm always a fan of a Schwartz beer or a Black Lager. Uh, something in the realm of like a New Belgium 1554. Um, all that flavor of a, uh, like a dark beer, like a stout or porter. But it's a little bit thinner on the body and not as filling or heavy as a stout or porter so it's all a flavor without the heaviness so uh if that sounds good to you definitely look for a schwartz beer or a black lager next time you're uh in the search for your next beer purchase now i'm not much of a cider fan but we did have one cider company pouring and that was cider out of michigan and uh, i tried the rosé at the uh, beer hoptacular when i was volunteering down there they were just a couple doors down and um i had tried the michigan apple before but they one thing i had not tried was their michigan honey and considering they actually had a rep that worked for the company there and not just a volunteer i had to go visit him and get a pour i decided to go with the michigan honey and i was surprised by how much i enjoyed the michigan honey i found it to be really good um, the honey added a lot of flavor, but I didn't feel like it was overly sweet. It wasn't cloying or too heavy, but that honey just added a little something extra that I really liked. So that Virtue Michigan honey, I don't know if they're going to can that or if it's still in bottles in large format or whatever. Maybe it's just draft. But I might definitely keep that in mind for the future because I thought that was pretty good. And yeah, sadly enough, that's there's not a lot more to talk about, even with the small range of breweries that they had available. There was just uh, just a big kind of a handful of stuff that I was kind of looking out for or that I hadn't seen before. I guess the disappointing thing was a lot of the stuff they were pouring there was stuff you could buy and package at your local liquor store which is kind of disappointing. Usually you go to a beer fest looking to try something a little bit different, a little more unique. But then again, you have a mixture of different people attending these kind of events. So maybe they haven't tried stuff or you kind of get a mix of all kinds of people. But um, I always like to look for the stuff that's a little more unique or that I haven't seen before. Um, so again, definitely sticking to the local breweries and getting the sample of their stuff was the way to go. Uh, that's why 
supporting the hype, the local breweries and the hyper local and the breweries around the corners. Um, you can't go wrong as they're, as long as they're serving quality stuff. And, um, that proved to be the best part of the Woodstock Ale Fest, in my opinion. I did have to get one, uh, one final pour of the, uh, tight head Irie. Cause that, um, I got to try that again at the Beer Hoptacular. They were pouring that. Uh, was reminded of how solid of an IPA that is. So one of the last beers I had to go run and grab was another pour of that Irie before they uh, sounded the alarm and cut off the taps. Um, one side note, though. Ironically, some of the best beer that I tasted that particular day was not at the Woodstock Ale Fest, but just around the corner from the Woodstock Ale Fest. If you ever find yourself in Woodstock, uh, there's a great selection of places that have robust craft beer lists. And uh, for being a small town, uh, well, it's very—it's still a small downtown uh, atmosphere. And uh, there's a uh, there's a historic Woodstock Square, so it's very much a small town where you can go down and take the train down and just walk through the square or park your car and walk around. Uh, but it's amazing the selection of craft beer that's available. Uh, DC Cobbs ha always has a great beer selection. There's a uh, sweets uh, and like a chocolate place where they make their own chocolate called Ethereal Confections. Uh, they have craft beer and do some beer pairings and things like that. Uh, there's a barbecue place I think is still there. I won't name the name just because I'm not even sure it's 100% still there, but I'm pretty sure it is. But uh, not only do they have great barbecue, but they have always have a solid beer selection as well. And this time around, I decided to make a stop at Ortman's Red Iron Tavern. And I was absolutely blown away by the beer they had on tap. Um, I had a very, very hazy uh, IPA from Maplewood. Um, I rarely ever see Hailstorm on tap, but they had a Hailstorm Cirrus on tap. Uh, they had a the most one of the most recent Pipeworks cans was a uh, black raspberry dreamsicle. They had the dreamsicle on tap. They had a noon a new wind noon whistle IPA on tap, and it was just absolutely insane. Their their tap list and what they had in cans and bottles was ridiculous. It, it kind of it blew anything the festival could have possibly had their way by far. And for being uh, like a small, just uh, unassuming bar type environment, the beer selection was ridiculous. So, like I said, if you happen to be in Woodstock or live near Woodstock or you're traveling to Woodstock, there are some great craft beer to be had. And I was super impressed by the uh, tap list that Ortman's had for sure. So uh, keep that in mind it is right across from the woodstock train station as well uh, so you can't miss it and uh, it's definitely a place to hit up if you're looking for some uh, some great craft beer and some great taps um, it was delicious now speaking of pipeworks beers 
the beer that I'm enjoying or imbibing while I record this particular episode is the Pipeworks Infinite Galaxy, which is a IPA hopped with Galaxy Hops. And boy, for whatever reason, do I just love the Galaxy Hop. Um, there are some hops that have a great aroma, and there are some hops that have a better taste. Um, I feel like Mosaic might have a slightly better aroma than it does taste. It provides that little more dankiness, but I think the, the, the aroma is better than the taste. Um, Citra might be possibly a little bit better on the taste and the aroma, although Citra does both relatively well. But Galaxy, I just feel like, is my jam when it comes to both the taste and the aroma. I, it's, a, it's an extremely versatile hop. Now, this can is getting to be a little bit older. Um, it was dated, it's a little over a month old. So, hops are starting to go a little bit on it. But I still find it to be tremendously delicious, have a nice aroma to it. And I remember cracking open this first can, and I was just blown away by it. And now recently, I revisited uh, the Galaxy Bowl, which was, just came back out from Hot Butcher. But the problem with Galaxy Bowl is, I used to love Galaxy Bowl, but this beer is approaching about three years old now. Galaxy Bowl has been around a long time. And the Galaxy Bowl that I originally had is not the same beer that it is now. It has, uh, it's changed. Um, the version now is definitely trying to appeal more to the hazy uh, beer lover, whereas the original Galaxy Bowl was more of a uh, just double IPA focused on the Galaxy Hop. This time around is a lot more hazy, and um, I feel like that's kind of where it went wrong. It was focused too much on fitting the hazy craze and uh, appealing to that uh, particular consumer, um, where I just really loved Galaxy Bowl in its in original formula. But, but somewhere between it trying to appeal to um, the double dry hop craze or the hazy craze, it's just moved away from what it was. So it's still a solid beer. I still enjoyed drinking it, but it was just nothing like what it used to be when it was uh came around first came around like three years ago it was still hot as hot as ever as it is now but it's just it's just changed and especially in this latest hazy uh implementation it's just not the same beer so to kind of put that toe-to-toe -to -toe up against the infinite galaxy i'm not uh i don't like to put beers head to head all the time but uh, get, the Infinite Galaxy just wins out on this one with the Galaxy Hops. It's, uh, Pipeworks has been less concerned so much with trying to fit the uh, hazy demographic. And they're just consistently making their, their versions of uh, solid, super hoppy, uh, drinkable IPAs. And the Infinite Galaxy is uh, definitely uh, no exception when it comes to that book. So the Galaxy Hop is uh, one I'll definitely be a fan of for some time going forward. 
I'll always be looking for that when it comes to new beers coming around. Anytime I can get something with a Galaxy Hop in there, I'll be sure to grab that because, man, oh, man, it is just a great hop. And uh, it's definitely tasty. It's great aroma and great taste combined. And uh, definitely something to look out for. If you find yourself going crazy for, like, Citra Hops or Mosaic Hops and... Uh, feel like you're just starting to get a little burnt down on all that, do yourself a favor and look out for a uh, Galaxy Hopped beer your next time out at your local beer shop. I, uh, I think you won't be disappointed. And that will bring the sunset on another episode of the Let's Sip podcast. Uh, podcast themes composed by yours truly, Brandon E. Gaylor. And special thanks to the Anchor platform and Anchor set of tools for allowing this podcast to come into creation. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for drinking with us, and we'll drink with you again soon. Bye-bye.